Welcome to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages every week. These powerful messages are sure to inspire you and keep you on track. Whether it's our late founder, Pastor Wayman Mitchell, or any of your favorite fellowship leaders worldwide, including Pastors Joe Campbell, Paul Stevens, Mark Olson, Tom Payne, Harold Warner, Richard Ruby, and many more, get ready to hear from God through this message. Please stay tuned at the end of this message to an update on all that we're doing here at VBPH. Thanks. Amen. It's a great privilege, hallelujah, to be able to stand behind pastors pulpit, amen, I just want to say thank you to Pastor Campbell, amen, for entrusting me, hallelujah, little knucklehead from Southside Chandler, amen, to come and minister the word of God, hallelujah. I remember many years ago, uh, probably about 25 years now, in this same field before the church was ever built, uh, I was frying on acid, tripped out of my mind in this field, laying on my back, watching my hand do tracers, <laughs> And uh, to be here today, amen, 25 years later, what God can do. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I also want to thank my wife, amen, who's, uh, amen, just been with me for all these years, amen, supporting me, supporting my ministry. I could never be and do what I do if it wasn't uh, for a good woman. Hallelujah. And so praise God. Acts chapter 13, verse 22 is going to be my text. Acts 13, 22. Amen. I want to preach a message I've entitled Same Old Rings and Poles. Makes sense in a bit, in a minute. Hallelujah. There was a story about a man who went to a doctor after uh, weeks of these sickness symptoms, and the doctor examined him carefully. Then the patient's, uh, he calls in the patient's wife into his office, and the doctor tells her, your husband is suffering from a very rare form of anemia. The bad news is that without treatment, your husband will be dead in a few weeks. The good news is that with proper nutrition, he should get better. Here's what the doctor told her that she's going to have to do. She said, you'll need to get up early every morning and fix your husband a hot breakfast. Pancakes, bacon, and eggs, that works. He'll need to be, have a home-cooked lunch every day and an old-fashioned meat and potato dinner every evening. It would be especially helpful if you could bake for him frequently. Cakes, pies, homemade bread. These are the things that will allow your husband to live. One morning... Uh, Uh, One more thing, his immune uh, system is very weak, so it's important that your home be kept spotless at all times. It would also help if you're intimate with him several times a week. So the wife uh, walks into the examination room uh, with a sad look on her face. The husband is sensing how serious this is, and he asks her, oh man, it's bad, isn't it? What's going to happen to me? With tears welling up in her eyes, the wife blurted out, The doctor says you're going to (laughs) die. Glory. Amen. We've been getting a prescription all week. Can you say amen? Hopefully, amen, we can begin to apply it because many times we think that we can live how we want. uh, And when God gives us the antidote, uh, we don't want to put it in work uh, to fix the problems. Amen. How many have ever made a decision that you later live to regret? Amen. And so I want to take a glimpse this morning into a certain 
season in the life of David, when I think of David, he gives me great hope. Amen. At the mention of David's name, uh, there's this myriad of pictures that begins to flood our minds. David, the shepherd boy, playing his harp like Patrick Johnson was showing us the other day. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, You know, we begin to think about David, the warrior. Amen. David, the giant slayer. David, this great king. But at the same time, we can't ignore the other facts. David, the adulterer, feeding his lust on Bathsheba. David, the father, weeping over the death of his sons, uh, Absalom, because of things that he wouldn't judge in his own home. A man of great victories, but also a man of great defeats. Can you say amen? And so these cameos breathe life into our understanding of who David is, uh, but none of them are highlighted in the New Testament. Only one description has lingered throughout the centuries uh, to epitaph uh, David's life, uh, And we know him as a man after God's own heart. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 13, 22. I got nervous when Pastor Mitchell started to use this text on Tuesday. Hallelujah. And so it says in Acts 13, 22. And when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. Say all my will. He'll do all my will. The Amplified Version says, who will do all my will and carry out my program fully. Hallelujah. Let's pray this morning. God, we're asking you this morning, Father, that you would anoint this time together, Father God, these uh, series of messages, God, that you would speak a word in due season to the hearts of your people, God, that you would change and transform us uh, from glory to glory, God, that you would stir our hearts, God, for an upward call and a higher calling, God. Uh, We give you praise for all that you're going to do this morning, God, minister uh, in Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said... Amen. I believe, amen, that we all strive and desire to be that type of man, a man after God's own heart, a man after the heart uh, of our pastor. Amen. God's heart and his will is that none perish. But the Bible says that all come to repentance. Uh, We understand that it's his will to seek and save the lost in our generation. Hallelujah. And so how many felt it? Amen. Monday night when Pastor Campbell uh, Amen. Was up there ministering and he asked the question, uh, will you despise your father's dream? I don't know about you, man, but that began to grab my heart. Hallelujah. Because one of the things that linked uh, his heart to God's, uh, amen, uh, was that he took God seriously. David, amen. Uh, And although he sometimes fell, uh, he purposed to obey not only God's principles, but also his precepts. Uh, Precepts, amen, it means the specific detailed instructions that God has given to us, hallelujah. I believe that we are here because we want to do God's will, and the question uh, is when God begins to examine us, amen, uh, will he find men uh, that are willing to go out and do all of God's will completely, amen. Because too many times we want God's will, uh, but we want God's will our way. Consider David with me in the Ark of the Covenant. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, David seeks to restore the Ark of the Covenant to Israel. And the Ark, we know, is a picture of the presence and the dominion of God. Amen? 
every time, amen, the ark, uh, we understand that uh, it would, uh, the ark went before the people, hallelujah. And it was a, a picture of God's presence, his dominion. And so here in Second Sam, Samuel chapter 6, uh, David again proves himself uh, to be committed to obeying God. Amen. He begins to have this desire, amen, uh, where he wants to restore the presence of God back to Israel. Uh, he shows himself once again to be that man after God's heart uh, whose life pulls to the heartbeat of God. I want to look first at desiring a good thing. See, the ark had been captured by the Philistines, uh, and for 20 years, the people of God did not enjoy the benefits uh, of the presence of God. For 20 of years, uh, they, were, they, they were outside of God's presence. Uh, Israel had become spiritually malnourished uh, under Saul's reign. First Chronicles 13, verse 3, let us bring the ark of our God back to us, for we have not inquired at it since the days of Saul. Here's David, amen, he understands that without the presence and the dominion of God, we are lost as a nation. Without God's presence, then everything that we are doing is futile. Can you say amen? The tabernacle had been deteriorated. Its furnishings had been scattered. The worship of God itself uh, had become virtually meaningless. Uh, and since God's presence was associated with the tabernacle furnishings, uh, the people of Israel no longer felt this nearness and this closeness uh, to God. And as Israel's new king, David wants to reestablish the center uh, of worship, amen, to renew the people's fear of God uh, and to reestablish the spiritual fervor uh, and the dominion of God that had been lost, uh, amen, by a backslidden people. David catches a vision to do a good thing. Can you say amen? He sets out to see, amen, this vision fulfilled uh, and he steps into the will of God for his life uh, at that time. Just as God stirs us to do a work for God, uh, and he enters in with the best of intentions. See, none of us uh, begin to answer the call thinking that it's going to go a certain way. We want to succeed. We want to build the work of God. We want to see fruitfulness. We want to raise up workers. Can you say amen? But many times, uh, as we've heard all week, uh, things begin to play themselves out, and it doesn't always work out the way that we think it's going to. And I wonder if... Many times it's because we're doing God's will our way. Look at transporting the ark and reestablishing the tabernacle worship. It meant gathering the scattered articles of furniture uh, and arranging them according to the order that, that God had given in Exodus 25 through 27. The most important piece of the tabernacle furniture was the ark of the covenant. The very place where God would meet with his people. And we understand, amen, uh, uh, any student of the Bible, as you read the word of God, God was very intricate in how he wanted the tabernacle to be built. Uh, he was very specific on how he wanted uh, all the different articles, uh, even down to the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark, we know, was a chest made of acacia wood, gold-plated uh, Inside and out, rimmed with a border of gold. It was three and three quarters feet long, two and a half feet wide, and two and a quarter feet high. And you say, well, what does that all have to do? Uh, who cares about the size and this and that? No, see, because God is a very specific God. Can you say amen? He's very detail-oriented, uh, amen, and when we get this mentality uh, that, well, what does that have to do with anything, amen, then what happens is we can begin to lose the heartbeat of God. God is into the details. Can you say amen? 
Its pure gold lid was the mercy seat. It held two cherubs of hammered gold, he said, without, with wings that were outstretched over the mercy seat. This was the place where the blood of the Lamb would atone for the sins of the people. We understood, amen, that every year, amen, annually, the, the high priest would go and he would make a sacrifice, amen, the sacrificial lamb. He would come, he would take that blood, he would sprinkle it on the mercy seat. He would go into the Holy of Holies, amen to make atonement on the day of atonement. And if he was not right with God in his heart, if he was, uh, amen, out of the will of God, if something was twisted in his heart, we know that he would go into the Holy of Holies. Uh, There was a rope that was uh, tied around his waist. Uh, There were bells uh, on his garments. Uh, And as long as the bells were ringing, you knew pastor was all right. But the moment the bells stopped ringing, it's like, oh, no, we got to. Pull him out. Something was happening in his heart. Uh, and then they'd look to the next priest and say, all right, who's next? <laughs> See, God's a very intricate God is what I'm saying this morning. Even before the cross, beloved, worship was highly symbolic. Amen. When Israel looked at the ark, uh, they saw more than a box made of acacia wood and gold. They saw the holiness of God. Uh, They saw the glory of God. It was an earthen vessel uh, that represented and pointed them to a holy, uh, a righteous, and an eternal God. And today, amen, is no longer a tabernacle, an ark of the covenant, uh, or even a physical holy of holies. uh, But God's presence is still carried uh, in an invaluable vessel. Can you say amen? One that is lying with the gold of forgiveness and redemption. One, amen, that has been covered by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about every Christian's heart, every believer's heart, every man that desires, amen, to carry the presence of God into the uttermost. Hallelujah. This is why there's a great danger in a divided heart. See, the clarion call trumpeted throughout the Old Testament and echoed in the New Testament uh, is found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. It says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, uh, with all your soul, and with all your might. See, the most sought-after territory, beloved, on earth uh, isn't the oil fields of Saudi Arabia. Amen? It's not even the diamond mines of South Africa. Amen? But the most sought-after territory uh, in all the earth is still uh, the human heart. Hallelujah. Every past global war pales next to the white-hot battle being waged uh, for your heart. Amen. For it, Satan gave up an eternity uh, in heaven. For it, God gave up his only uh, begotten son. And if you love God, but not with your whole heart, uh, if you serve God, uh, but not with your whole heart, uh, then a portion of your heart is unclaimed territory. uh, It's up for grabs. uh, And if you surrender, even an isolated insignificant beachhead to the Satan uh, amen then he has a foothold uh, that someday can begin to give him an advantage uh, to overthrow your loyalty as we pick up in 2nd Samuel chapter 6 the ark rests in the home of Abinadab amen and God's instructions on how the ark was supposed to be carried were very, were very uh, specific. Amen. And so he said there would be gold rings that would be fixed at the corners of both sides of the ark uh, and gold plated poles that were to be slipped through the rings uh, so that the ark could be carried uh, without being touched by the human hand. Exodus tells us that these 
poles and these rings were never to be removed. The ark was to be carried only by uh, the Levites, amen, by uh, those priests uh, that God had ordained, uh, amen, to carry the presence of God uh, on the shoulders of men through the earth. But we see, amen, that there is a disobedience that comes that costs life, uh, amen. As you look at, uh, amen, uh, uh, what happens uh, whenever people begin to not carry God's presence or begin to try to change things, amen. I ask the question, amen, how many have ever made a decision that you come to regret? What about when those decisions have consequences that can't be undone, amen? Many years ago, I was uh, teaching this class. I used to teach safety uh, orientation and construction, and I was teaching this class on trench safety, and the project manager was sitting in the, the uh, room next door, and he heard me talking about how important it was not to take shortcuts, uh, because if you do, uh, when it comes to trench safety, uh, then somebody can lose their life. Uh, right after the class, he comes out, uh, and he tells me of another class that he was in, and he talks about this business owner, and he begins to share his story. He said... Uh, that I was in this class and there was this business owner. He begins to tell about how he had this business. He begins to tell about how his son had just graduated high school. Him and his friend, his friend uh, had a full ride scholarship to ASU uh, to be a running back. He had his future ahead of him. Uh, but on this uh, summer day, uh, this man decides that he's going to allow his son and his friend to get inside this trench. Uh, the problem is that he didn't have any shoring set up for this trench. So as his son and his son's best friend get into that trench, what happens is it had been raining and all of a sudden as they're there working, the trench collapses on them and it kills his son and his friend. OSHA investigates this and he's found guilty for negligent homicide. So not only did he kill his son, but now uh, he's in prison because uh, he didn't do what he knew he should have done. He's in prison because he neglected uh, something that he knew should have been done. Uh, and because of it, his son is dead. Uh, his future is gone. Uh, and so he, the, the other thing that he had to do uh, is he was sentenced for five years after he gets out of prison for five years. Uh, he has to teach a class uh, so many hours a year on trench safety. So imagine this, the guy's there, he's weeping, he's crying. Uh, as he was in prison, his wife left him. She couldn't stand, uh, amen, to be with him anymore because she knew uh, that he uh, had neglected what he knew he should have been doing. Her son, his son is dead uh, and he's weeping. He's talking about uh, how you have to make sure that you do the right thing. Uh, do not, amen, uh, go forward and, and get into these trenches without uh, doing what you know is right. Uh, He's weeping, he's crying. And as I'm listening to that story, I'm thinking, my goodness, how many times do we see people violate the very things that they know are going to keep them safe? Many years ago, as I was pioneering, we had been out for about a year and a half, and we were already off support, running about 40 people. And when we... We were there. Things were going good. Amen. The church was doing well. Uh, we had just uh, got into this, uh, our first building. Amen. Uh, and all of a sudden, amen, uh, half of the people leave. How many have ever been there before? 
And so I called Pastor Ortiz, uh, and I think he had just got off the phone with Pastor Campbell because... Uh, I called him up and I don't hear nothing. I'm like, brother, you still there? <laughs> and he goes, uh, well, uh, she, uh, in the midst of agony and pain. <laughs> Amen. And I could see him smiling on the other side. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, but I did call him, amen. And uh, he said something to me, amen. Uh, you know, I'm just trying to traffic this uh, in my heart and on my mind, amen. I know people in our mother church were nervous, uh, amen, uh, because uh, uh, they had seen all of a sudden it was, like a, it was a big hit. It was a rebellion that occurred in the church. People left, started pulling people out, uh, Amen. And they're probably wondering, what are we going to do? So I called Pastor Ortiz and I talked to him. Uh, amen. And what he actually said is, there are no shortcuts, Gabriel, in the kingdom of God. He says, you can't go from kindergarten to the 12th grade. He said, you're going to have to hit every grade in between. He said, if you didn't go through it, then I'll be mad at God. Okay, bye. <laughs> and I'm just, all right. See, but what he was saying is if you're going to build something that is going to last, uh, then you're going to have to weather some storms. Diamonds don't just happen. They're formed from extreme pressures uh, in the earth. Can you say amen? About seven years ago, amen, I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. And when I was diagnosed, as I'm sitting across uh, the chair, amen, and this doctor tells me that I've got cancer, my wife is there with me. This flood of thoughts begins to go through my mind. My wife hadn't worked since our daughter was born for nine years. I was the main supporter of our family. I'm out. I'm pioneering the church. Uh, things are going well. Amen. But I'm, I'm in my mind, this flood. Amen. And the doctor looked at me and he says, you know what? I never want to play you poker. My wife's weeping. And I said, what do you mean? He says, you have no expression on your face. See, but what he didn't realize is in my heart and in my mind, I'm going through this terrible assault. What's going to happen to my family? What about the church? What about my kids? Who's going to take care of them? Amen. And all I could muster up and say, you know what? You know why I have no expression is because I know that my God is going to heal me. Amen. For six months, I took chemotherapy. One of the hardest times uh, of my life, amen. But you know what? It was one of the best times of my life because it was a time in my life where I was desperate for God. It was a time in my life where I had no other place to turn, and if God didn't do something, then I didn't know what was going to happen. Thank God, amen. Six months later, amen, I'm at a healing crusade, and Pastor Mitchell is ministering, hallelujah. They had to carry me up onto the Onto the stage that day, I'd been so sick, I'd fell that day in the shower. They helped me to get on stage, didn't even hear the sermon. Uh, he lays hands on me. I left that place not feeling any different. Uh, I go to the doctor next week, uh, and the cancer was completely gone. Hallelujah. <laughs> 
See, it's those most difficult times in life, amen, where you become closest to God. Hallelujah. Consider with me David and the ark. In his zeal to bring the ark to Jerusalem, David, amen, overlooked God's instruction on how to transport it, uh, amen, bringing it instead uh, on wheels of haste and convenience. Uh, let's read 2 Samuel chapter 6, uh, verse 3 and verse 6. It says, And they placed the ark of God uh, on a new cart, uh, that they might bring it from the house of Abinadab, uh, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, uh, the sons of Abinadab, were leading the new cart. Uh, but when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out toward the ark of God uh, and took hold of it, for the oxen uh, had upset it. Uh, we know the story. When he lays hold of the ark, uh, God kills him on the spot. Amen? See, the problem is instead of being carried on the shoulders of men, David thought he was going to do it a different way. The ark was meant to be carried, as I said, on the shoulders of men. Amen. See, God has given his children specific instructions uh, concerning his will. Amen. I'm talking about God's uh, divine mandate. Uh, when we are launched out to pioneer for God, we have specific uh, detailed instructions, a divine mandate. Uh, Go ye, make disciples of all nations, heal the sick, uh, mend up the brokenhearted, uh, replicate and uphold the pattern that has been entrusted to you. Far be it from us, beloved. Amen. That we would get out uh, and then all of a sudden think that we've got a better idea. Far be it from us that we begin to look back uh, and tap into the uh, tap into this sensual wisdom, uh, this carnal wisdom while we're trying to do a work for God. Far be it from us that we would remove the landmarks and the boundaries, uh, the lines of inheritance that have been entrusted to us uh, to uphold as we go forth. God forbid That you go out and like Moses, when he killed the Egyptian in Egypt to try to do God's will. Amen. Uh, We understand the story. Moses uh, was called to deliver the children of Israel. uh, And he sees one of the men of Israel being oppressed by this Egyptian. uh, Amen. And though he was called to deliver him, uh, God wasn't going to do it through his carnality. He kills this man. And we understand, amen, that for 40 years... uh, He's outside of the will of God. Amen. See, instead of revering the ark, uh, Uzzah touched it. And as he touched the ark, uh, what he does is he desecrates its holiness. Amen. Uh, David had overlooked the details of God's plan. Amen. Uh, His precepts. Amen. Those detailed instructions uh, on how he was supposed to carry the ark. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 7, it says, Then the anger of the Lord was burned against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his irreverence, and he died there by the ark. When I first read this text as a new convert, i got to admit, uh, I thought, man, this is a little bit excessive. I thought, man, God is bad. You don't mess with God. I couldn't understand. I couldn't figure this out. Uh, I couldn't understand how God could do this, especially uh, since others' intentions were good. He's just trying to help God. He's just trying to steady the ark. But years later, I begin to realize uh, as I'm in the ministry, I begin to understand the majesty and the holiness of God. It was symbolized by the ark. And that was something that had to be defended, uh, something that had to be preserved. Can you say amen? 
It was an object lesson to Israel. God said, uh, I've got a specific plan uh, and a specific purpose, uh, and that is something sacred, uh, and it will not be desecrated or violated by you inserting your will. You will not do God's will your way. Look secondly at misplaced anger. How many know that there's always two sides to a story? David gets angry with God, but his anger is misplaced. As Uzzah's body lay alongside the ark, uh, David's anger is burning against God, amen, until fear begins to grip his raging heart uh, to begin to get him to examine himself. Second uh, Samuel verse 8 and 9, and David became angry out of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah, and he called the name uh, of that place Perez Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? The amplified version says David was grieved and he was offended. Hello? He was grieved and he was offended. Have you ever been grieved or offended? What about when you're grieved or offended by your leader? What about when you're grieved or offended by your pastor? Hello? See, David upset, not uh, with his earthly father, but his heavenly father. Uh, He's mad at God, and this caused him to look back. Uh, It caused him to take his hand off of the plow. Uh, He had a desire to do a great thing for God. Uh, But the moment God steps in uh, to uphold the standard, uh, David's heart gets twisted to the point that he's no longer going to do uh, what God had put in his heart to do uh, and what God had called him to do. See, maybe you've tried and failed. Are you just going to stop there? Maybe you've been sat down or brought back for redirection. Are you just going to look back uh, or are you going to get up? uh, And as Pastor Campbell says, keep your hand on the plow. Uh, Maybe you've sent out a church and it didn't work uh, or that man burns you. Amen. Are you going to just stop sending? Perez Uzzah. It means God has burst out against your strength. uh, God is literally saying, I cannot bless you when you are prideful and functioning in your own strength. I will only bless my will, my precepts. Don't try to change or remove, amen, the lines of inheritance. Pastor Campbell has said it for years, amen. Be careful that your giftings don't take you to a place where your character won't keep you. David is upset, uh, and in his anger, he says, you know what, man? Forget this. I'm trying to do something for God. I'm trying to restore dominion to Israel. I'm trying to do a work for God, but you know what? This is how God repays me, amen? Uh, He kills my spiritual son. Forget this. And he decides in his heart he's not going to bring the ark back. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 10 and 11 So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, but David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. uh, And the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. uh, And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Something changed, though, in the heart of David. This is why I thank God, amen, for men like David in the Bible. They're men that give me hope. Can you say amen? During this three-month time, amen, where the ark was in Obed-Edom's house, uh, David watched the blessing that it began to bring to his home. 
He had time to simmer down, amen? He had time to begin to think things through. And as he sees this blessing uh, of the presence of God, he reaffirms some things in his heart. Uh, He begins to get anxious once again to do a work for God. He begins to get anxious once again, amen, to uh, bring the ark back into the city. See, when you've tasted of the goodness of God, it's hard to stay away. Can you say amen? See, when I got saved, man, I got ruined for life. Because I can never go back to the way it used to be. During this time of redirection, if you will, in David's life, uh, he gets a hold of God. God begins to move on his heart. We know David is far from perfect, uh, but he had this tremendous ability and this capacity for self-examination and repentance. And we find in verse 12, it says, Now uh, it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him on account of the ark of God. And David went and brought up the ark from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. What happened to make David change his mind? We find a parallel passage in first chronicles chapter 15 uh, verse 11 through 15 it gives us some behind the scenes insight uh, of what's happening it says and david called for zadak and abithar the priests uh, and for the levites and uriel asia joel shemaiah i'm a mexican from chandler so excuse me if i'm butchering all these hallelujah <laughs> he said to them you are the heel, you you are the heads of the father's house uh, of the Levites, sanctify yourselves, uh, you and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord uh, God of Israel to the place that I prepared for it, for because you did not do it uh, the first time the Lord our God broke out against us uh, because we did not consult him about the proper order. So the priests and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel and the children of the Levites bore the ark of God on their shoulders uh, by its poles, uh, And as Moses had commanded, according to the word of the Lord. See, David realizes, man, I have no reason to be upset with God. Why am I sitting? Why am I mad at God? It's not his fault. I'm the one that allowed the ark to be put on this new cart. I'm the one that thought I had a better idea. I'm the one that thought we could change some things up a little bit. Why? Because we got to stay with the times. Hello, somebody. I made my bed. He takes ownership of his failure. He says, Uzzah, my spiritual son, he's dead, amen, because I failed to uphold God's standard. It's nobody else's fault. Following Uzzah's tragic death, David begins to search his heart. The sad thing is it took David losing a faithful man Till he saw his own pride and obedience and disobedience rather. Verse 13, because you did not carry out the carried at first, the Lord, our God, made an outburst against us, for we did not seek him according to his ordinance. See, David not only admitted his wrong the next time around, but what he says is, you know what? Uh, I messed up. Amen. Uh, I didn't do this the way that it should have been done. But you know what? Uh, Amen. I'm not going to make the same mistake twice. We need to get back to the basics. We need to get back to the way it's supposed to be. Verse 15, the children of the Levites bore the ark of God 
on their shoulders by its poles as Moses had commanded according to the word of the Lord. Rings and poles. God had a specific way that his presence should be carried through the earth uh, on the shoulders of men through these rings and poles that were never to be removed. See, the poles and the rings, the fellowship, uh, we understand their discipleship, uh, world evangelism, church planting, uh, and this is something that we can never deviate from. Can you say amen? You can feel the heart of Pastor Campbell last night uh, as he's pulling and pulling to send churches. See, it doesn't matter what other fellowships are doing. We're going to be accountable for what God has called us to do. Can you say amen? We were just able to secure a 10,000 square foot building. But as Pocky Raj said last night, uh, it's not about the seating capacity. It's about the sending capacity. Can you say amen? And my heart was rejoicing because as I took our men into that building, almost simultaneously, we walk into this place and we walk through these double doors and it opens up to this huge auditorium. And many of them, I could see, amen, their eyes light up with vision, amen. And one of them said, Pastor, we can have conference in here. Hello. Hello. I thank God for, amen, Pastor uh, Mark Olson. He encouraged me in the uh, Prescott Conference. He says, you know, the first Prescott conference, it's only 35 people in the morning session. Hello? 35 people in the morning session. And look what God has done over the years. Can you say amen? Chandler, a hot dog stand. Look what God has done. The Bible says don't despise the time of small beginnings. And as these men walked into this auditorium and said, Pastor, we could have conference in here. My heart began to rejoice because, you know what, man, these guys are getting it. Their heart is being enlarged. Their vision, amen, for evangelism. Their vision, amen, uh, for the things of God. Hallelujah. Listen, man, I don't want to be on that eight or ten year discipleship program. Amen. Uh, I want to strive for the three year save them and send them program. Can you say amen? I want to be able to fulfill my pastor's dream. Fulfill Pastor Campbell's dream. I want that same dream and that same passion to be alive in me. Hello. I want it to be alive in every man that we launch. Hello, somebody. And when it comes to obeying God, uh, it's in the details, beloved. Uh, it's in the rings and in the poles, amen, that begin to snag us. Uh, either we don't want to go through the trouble of getting the poles uh, or do we don't want to carry them on our shoulders, amen. Like Pastor Romero said, uh, we begin to run from that four-letter word, work. Uh, so what do we do? We grab a, a new cart. We want to rewrite the rules. We want to do things our way. The problem is that when you disobey God's precepts, someone has to pay. And when you disobey, you may be able to survive that disobedience. But what about your sons? Are there some rings and poles that you've been ignoring? I was talking to Pastor Martinez, asking him, what are some practical things that you see men begin to let go of? When they start to walk in disobedience, he says they lose connection with headship. 
in that we begin to neglect the basics that keep us, amen, prayer. Because we're out there, nobody's watching us, amen. Nobody, see, pastor's not calling you every day uh, to make sure that you're outreaching. Hello, somebody. He's not calling you every Saturday to make sure that you're not doing side work, amen, uh, but that you're actually, amen, outreaching. Hello, somebody. Oh, man, I felt that hit the back like a lead balloon. Glory to God. He's not watching everything that you do and you lose connection. Amen. And what happens is prayer, reading the word of God, outreach, those basic things. Amen. uh, That used to keep us. They begin to bleed into our zeal uh, and passion for the things of God. If we're not careful, we can lose vision altogether. We stop doing the things that are going to bring fruitfulness and help build our church. uh, And all that is left uh, is barrenness. Hello? I want to ask you a question. Can pastors still speak into your life? Tom Brady. He's not all that great. (laughs) Hello. Come on, come back, come back, come back. (laughs) Yeah, he's got six Super Bowl rings. All right. But you know what? I was watching this video with six Super Bowl rings, he's taking a snap. And he goes and he hands off the ball. And Coach Bilicek comes unglued. What are you doing? I told you you don't hand off the ball like that. Six Super Bowl rings. Six Super Bowl rings. Getting rebuked for handing off the ball the wrong way. In front of everybody. In front of the whole team. But you know what? Tom Brady didn't pout. He listened to his coach. He went back and got in the snap again. And did it exactly like Bilicek told him to do it. Hello? See, Tom Brady's not all that great when you look at him. But he's got a coach. He's got a coach that has helped devise a plan That works for him. Are you with me? It reminds me I was playing basketball with Pastor Campbell. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. (laughs) You can learn some things on the court. Glory to God. And we're playing there, amen, and one of the guys on his team... He's getting angry. He's getting upset. He starts throwing a fit on the court. And Pastor Campbell gets ticked, man. And he yells at him right there in front of everybody. He says, get a hold of yourself, man. Sheesh. How can I ever send you out like that? And that brother, I was just watching him saying, what's he going to do? <laughs> he just took his medicine. Calmed down his attitude. Later he tells me, only Pastor Campbell can talk to me like that. <laughs> but today... He's pioneering to work for God. Hello? 
See, being a man after God's own heart, amen, means caring about what he cares about, grieving over what he grieves for, amen, and the ability to do God's will his way. Can you say amen? I need to move quickly because my wife's going to be upset with me if I go over. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, lastly, at restoring dominion, finding holy ground. It's not an easy thing to admit when you're wrong and when you've lost dominion. Can you say amen? But it's the only way to be on holy ground with God. The Bible says God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. In the process of restoring dominion, amen, there's going to be a lot of obstacles. David had to face some. Can you say amen? Elijah had to fight the ravens from his altar. Isaac had to rebuild and redig some wells. Moses spent 40 years in the desert as God was working on his character. Until finally, amen, uh, he's walking one day, amen, and he turns aside in the burning bush. And God calls to him from the burning bush and says, Moses, uh, Moses, amen, take off your sandals because the place that you're on uh, is holy ground. He says, Moses, you have to throw off those things that you've attached themselves to your life. Amen, I'm not going to allow that stuff in my presence. For David... It was his own wife, Michael. Verse 16 and 20. The Amplified Version says, As the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, David's wife, looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. Then David returned to bless his household, and his wife, Michael's uh, daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, who stripped himself of his kingly robes and uncovered himself uh, in the eyes of his servants' maids uh, as one of the worstless fellows shamelessly uh, uncovers himself. She's messed up. She's twisted. Are you with me? Someone might think that following every detail of God's law would make you unbending and stern, but it wasn't the case with David. When the ark finally reached Jerusalem, he's celebrating. He's excited. He's anything but rigid. He's dancing. He's leaping. W. Philip Keller comments on David's celebration dances for David. It was much more than just a a religious riot. It was a release from his remorse. Uh, It was a restoration of his joy in the Lord uh, because of this profound repentance. Uh, It was his liberation from fear uh, of having offended his God, the Almighty. He's rejoicing over the privilege to be used to do a work of redemption for God. But Michael's response... See, in true obedience to God, David was free. And whenever you're truly free, someone in bondage and in the bondage of disobedience is going to envy your freedom. Whenever you're truly free, they'll try to steal your dance. David had found holy ground, though, and he was going to allow what other people said, even his own wife, to detour him. Are you with me? David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me above your father and his household to appoint me as prince over Israel, the people of the Lord. Therefore, I will make merry in pure enjoyment before the Lord. I will still be more lightly esteemed than this uh, and will humble and lower myself in my own sight and yours. uh, But but by, by the maids that you mentioned, I will be held in honor. See, what David is doing when he's taking off his robes, amen, he's actually saying, listen. I'm going to remove these royal garments 
Because I cannot share the glory of God, the true King of kings and Lord of lords. Can you say amen? But Micah don't see that. She sarcastically accuses him of undressing before the maidservants. The problem is she is attacking his faith because hers is lacking. But it didn't matter no more. David found holy ground. Can you say amen? Dietrich Bonhoeffer capsulizes the relevance of this passage in our lives. He said this, to deviate from the truth for the sake of some prospect of hope of your own can never be wise. However, slight that deviation may be, it's not our judgment of the situation which can show us what is wise, but only the truth of the word of God. Here alone lies the promise of God's faithfulness and help. Uh, It will always be true that the wisest course of the disciple uh, is always to abide solely by the word of God in all simplicity. I want to share the rest of this story. As I dismissed that class that I was talking about, they went out uh, onto the project, and I go out to see what they're doing, and they're getting ready to get into a trench that has no shoring. And I'm like, man, you guys don't get it. I call their superintendent. He comes to the job site. He is irate. He begins to rip into these guys. What's wrong with you? What happens is, I begin to tell him about this story of this business owner that his son had died. And when I tell him this story, he gets even more furious. He starts to cuss up that guy. And I wasn't expecting what he told me. He says, you know what, man? I know that guy that killed his son. I know that guy that sits there and cries every time that he's sharing this story. I have no remorse for him. He says, you know why? Because I bid on that very same project. And he got the bid instead of me because he didn't put shoring safety into his bid. He did it intentionally. So I have no remorse for him. He says, as a matter of fact, I was in a parade with my backhoe. And they called me. And I came. And I had to dig his son out of that hole. He says, you know what? goes to his truck and he gets the shovel that he pried out of his son's hand he says you know what that boy should have never died his dad knew better he should have never put him in that trench he says you know what the worst part of the story is before he ever owned that business, he taught OSHA safety for 10 years. But he neglected to do what he knew should have been done. I have no remorse for him. Listen, beloved, he lost everything. Not because he didn't know better, but rather because he violated what he knew was right. He says, you know what? These guys know better. I train people all the time, he says, and every time I do, I show them this shovel. And I want to remind them that you need to do what's right. Because if you don't, it can cost somebody their life. He was passionate. What about you tonight? Will you be that man? Someone committing, committed to obeying everything every part 
of God's will, to fulfill his will in the planet Earth. Like I said, we make mistakes, we fall short at times. And though we might bounce back from that place of disobedience, be careful because your sons may not. No man like David, a man after God's own heart, who chose to do God's entire will. That's all I've got this morning. This is Pastor Adam from the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. We want to welcome you back once again to the Sermon Podcast. What a week it has been with Bible Conference going on. It's been a powerful time. Wanted to just apologize in advance. We are recording from home, which means you might hear some background noise on my end. It happens to be raining cats and dogs outside. And speaking of dogs, you might hear my uh, young puppy uh, barking in the background. So apologies for that. Uh, Dave is with me. Say hello, Dave. Hello, Dave. <laughs> it, it never gets old. <laughs> I know. Dad, but, uh, dad jokes. Right. But uh, we wanted to just jump on here real quick and uh, and just express once again our gratitude for everyone who's listening to the Sermon Podcast and downloading these episodes. It's really, really awesome to know that, uh, that so many people are connected uh, with these sermons and have been blessed by them. So just another big shout out, big thank you to everybody who's been listening. Yes, all our new listeners, new subscribers, we really, really appreciate you. Yeah, and we kind of wish that we had, you know, more more details. Uh, we we know who's listening through the one platform that we're using on Supercast, but um, with the uh, with the Apple Podcast, it's a little more opaque. It's difficult for us to tell how many are actually subscribed until you know we get monthly reports, which we haven't received quite yet. So, but anyway, we know that there's a lot of you out there who have already paid and subscribed, which is amazing. We're so grateful um, that you uh, that you have found this to be a blessing so much that you want to um, pay for it and uh, put that toward world evangelism. So yeah. really, really cool. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. The, um, the other reason we wanted to jump on here is uh, to just give a shout out to our latest premium subscriber who has connected to us in our premium podcast group. So for those of you who don't know, uh, we have a WhatsApp group um, that is specially crafted uh, for uh, premium subscribers. So uh, we want this to be a place where uh, our listeners can uh, have their reactions and comments to the sermon that we post each day. And, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of uh, virtual fellowship with some other like-minded believers and uh, sermon addicts. So <laughs> if, uh, yeah. if you'd like to jump on to that. Um, we've already sent an invite to you if you are on our Supercast subscribers, or but what we can't see, uh, again, if you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts, uh, we we don't know who you are, So, but you are definitely invited to be a part of the podcast uh, WhatsApp group if that's something you want to do, if you want to uh, touch base with uh, with Dave and myself and, and some of the other guys that are listening. Um, and we don't want to limit this just to guys. Well, you know, we'll, if, uh, if you're a female listener out there, then we'd love to invite you as well to be part of the podcast group. So far, 
just uh just some uh male podcast addicts but <laughs> just some fel- just some fellas some blokes <laughs> right uh our our most recent member of the group is a guy named carlton who yes uh joined us all the way from across the pond in the uk and connected with us so if you are one of those apple podcast listeners and you'd like to join that we just need you to do one thing send me an email uh send it to pastor at vbph.org with a screenshot of your subscription to the podcast and that's exactly what uh what carlton did and uh got that email uh to me and we connected him on the podcast group and so it was really really a pleasure um just want to share with you what he said uh, he said um, he's been following the podcast since October of last year and been saved for 12 years. He's in the church of Pastor Lewis Claxton. He's married with two kids, uh, hoping to pioneer someday. We're hoping that happens as well, my friend. And he says, I'm, I'm a bit of a sermon addict. His favorite preachers include Pastor Heinberg, Pastor Tom Payne, Pastor Paul Stevens. And we asked about, um, we asked about the favorite message of the week from conference and uh, he included the first one that occurred on Monday night by Pastor Greg, uh, the sermon entitled Clarity, which we did post on the podcast. Dave, uh, what, what were your thoughts? How, how much of the uh, conference were you able to catch this week? I was able to catch um, uh, sort of a uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday <laughs> kind of thing. Um, so I got uh, Pastor Greg twice, you know, the, the opening uh, sermon and the closing sermon. And also uh, Pastor Campbell, which I think was actually Tuesday night, but we showed it in yes. our church on Wednesday night. So, mm-hmm. so, uh, so that that's what I've got so far. But uh, one of my favorite things about what Carlton said is actually the way he spells favorite, <laughs> because he's from the UK, so he spells it with a O U. <laughs> I just love the way that you guys uh, spell things differently, just slightly differently than we do here in America. But yeah, they're the, they're so weird. Right, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> of I, course, I, our way is the right way. Of course, it is. No, <laughs> but I, you know the way you spell favorite and the way you spell color with O U R. I love it. I just love it. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that is the Queen's English, and I suppose that uh, they were speaking English before America was. So. It, Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we'll defer to your best judgment, but we're still going to, we're still going to only spell it with an O and not a O U. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, so, um, we also wanted to, uh, give you guys a heads up that we're, we're going to, we're going to try something out, something experimental. So this is open to all of our listeners, uh, whether you're on the free podcast or if you're a premium subscriber, uh, we wanted to try to have a virtual meetup, uh, via a zoom conference. Um, we wanted to just kind of reach out and get reactions and comments. Um, maybe you've got ideas to improve. Maybe you've got a, um, an archive of sermons that you'd like to share with us. Maybe you just have prayer requests. You want some like-minded people to join together with prayer. So we're going to have, uh, we're, we're shooting for about a 30 minute meeting, uh, on the Monday, uh, July the 26th. So July the 26th, Monday night. 9 p.m. Eastern. We're going to be posting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that'll be 6 p.m. on the West Coast. 
And I don't know what time that's going to be in the UK, but if you're awake in the middle of the night <laughs> and want to join us, uh, we would uh, we would love to have you for that. And uh, yeah, just kind of a, a virtual hangout, uh, uh, like-minded believers, a fellowship from across the world. Some, uh, and, and who knows? Uh, we would love to have you come join us for that. Uh, uh, Dave, what are your, your reactions to that announcement? Well, um, I just keep thinking about the uh, other people we have listening from across the pond that uh, are even further away than the UK, you know, say um, Bulgaria or Norway. <laughs> and yeah. What time is it going to be there? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think there's six hours ahead, so they'll wow. probably be sleeping. Um, <laughs> but if you're an insomniac, we'd be we'd be happy to have you join us. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're thinking about 30 minutes on that Monday night. Uh, we don't want to uh, take up too much of your time, but we would love really to, you know, have some fellowship. The problem with a podcast is what, we, what we've discovered in the past when we were doing the blast is that is, uh, it becomes very difficult to know who our listeners are. And so this is yes. just a little way for us to reach out. And that's part of the reason why conference is so awesome, because we know we're part of an amazing fellowship from all around the world. But then, you know, you go to conference and you see all of these faces and you're just blown away. So we're going to right. uh, kind of have a mini, mini sermon podcast version of that <laughs> on the Zoom yeah. uh, meeting uh, next Monday night at uh, 9 p.m. That's the 26th of July. So we'll be posting links for that on all of the sermons uh, this week. So that way uh, you'll be reminded. And if you'd like to join us, we'd love to see you there. Yes. Um, the other thing I wanted to do with the short time that we have here is I wanted to give you guys a heads up of uh, kind of a behind the scenes look at what we are doing um, when we post these sermons to our podcast. Uh, you may, may not realize this, but um, we actually do quite a bit of improvement on the audio files uh, before we actually post them. Uh, yeah. Because we want you to have as as good of a listening experience as you possibly can while listening to these sermons, and really that is born out of my uh, contempt for bad audio quality. <laughs> as a former sound ministry person, right? <laughs> right, exactly. And so you know, uh, you never know how these sermon files are going to get recorded, and you know when they finally get to us, you know. What we're doing is we, you know, sometimes they come, they're only on the left channel or on yeah. the right channel uh, or they're, you know, they sound tinny. There's bad echo. There's terrible right. background noise. Um, sure. There's there's the loud pops and stuff. So, you know, what what Dave actually Dave is doing the bulk of this work now is he is um, he's taking those audio file. Well, Dave, why don't you you tell the good people what what you're doing when you get an audio file? Well, First thing I have to do is listen to it <laughs> to find out, is this thing even usable? Unfortunately, because a lot of times you're dealing with files that are so old uh, that, I mean, they're they're kind of unsalvageable. You know, you'll, you'll get, uh, you know, where it's just, there was a gremlin in the, in the sound system that night. And it's like, if you have, but, you know, and it's like, okay, right, I can't right. save this one. Um, but, um, and sometimes you, you get them where uh, you can barely hear, you know, it's like, if you have your Bible, uh, you're, oh my gosh. So you have to um, take the file, you have to amplify it, you compress it, you normalize it, and uh, you make it to where it's, it's listenable. 
<laughs> so, um, and so, and I've been actually pleasantly surprised that some of these, uh, are as salvageable as they have been. <laughs> so especially as old as they are with, with the uh, bugs on the sound system that might've been happening at the time. So, um, so, you know, we're just sort of doing our best running them through filters and running them through, uh, uh, uh effects as best we can just to present them to you. So. One of my favorite effects is the truncate silence effect. Truncate this is silence, where, yeah. yeah, oh, it's great. So it, you know, from a forty-five minute sermon, it'll actually search through for the moments of silence in between words and reduce them by whatever forty percent or fifty percent. So yeah. that actually removes like three total minutes from the episode, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. The only time it's not good is if the is if the guy was going for like a dramatic pause, oh, yes. the pregnant pause. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I'll just let that sink in. You know, <laughs> you ever hear a preacher say that? I'll just let that sink in. And then <laughs> pause. <laughs> you just remove that pause. <laughs> but anyway, just to tell you that we're saving you time <laughs> when, you're listening, uh, yeah. when you're listening to, to sermons, which. Uh, uh, I don't know if anybody else appreciates it, but I appreciate it. Yeah, we just uh, we just kind of want to give you a behind the scenes look at what we're doing to improve the listening experience. We're not just taking audio files and posting them as is. Sometimes we have to trim the beginning and the end of the files. Sure. Yep. You know, just to get to the meat of the sermon. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, um, like Dave said, if there's if there's uh, audio quality that's that's bad, yeah. we we want to make sure. sure that you you are. Um, pleased with uh with the sermon audio quality that you're getting so we we hope that you are please let us know um you know what your feedback is um the other thing we want to just leave with you uh before we let you go is uh we could really use some ratings and reviews it's been a while since we've uh, gotten any of those and i know especially on the apple podcasts app it's easy just to click the five star thing without actually leaving a review and we've got several of those but uh, would really help also if you could just put in a, a sentence or two of why you enjoy uh, the VBPH Sermon Podcast. Yeah. That would be a big help. And um, also on the Pod Chaser, there's uh, we put a link on every single episode for Pod Chaser, which is a place where you can uh, you can leave reviews on individual episodes if you'd like to. So that also right. helps as well. Yeah. Yep. So. Um, we hope you guys had a wonderful conference. Uh, we hope that you, um, uh, as we are posting the conference messages from the from the conference, we've been spreading those out. We've been doing two uh, per day. Uh, our premium subscribers, we're getting two per day. Our free subscribers, we're only getting one per day. So that we're, we're trying to provide, uh, you know, good value for those of you who are paid subscribers. But even if you're not, we hope that you are enjoying uh, the content that you're getting as well. So uh, any last thoughts before we let our people go, Dave? Uh, just uh, uh, just uh, another word of appreciation for all of our new listeners, new subscribers. We really, really, really appreciate uh, all that you're doing, all that you've done. Cool. <laughs> and we will uh, hope to see you in a Zoom meeting next week. That would be a lot of fun. And until then, we will see you later. Thanks a lot, guys. God bless. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.